listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 424. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the German Netflix post-apocalyptic series, Tribes of Europa. And, uh, yeah, next week will be the last, and we'll be moving on to uh, a film that you've been on me for quite a while now. Yeah, I'm psyched. Yeah. I'm so not uh, to take you- notes for that one. There you go. Um, so... Next week, we will be covering the Tribes of Europa finale. The week after, we will take a look at Deadpool. The week after that, the pilot for Lucifer, which is available on Netflix. And we still haven't told you guys what we're going to do after that. I'm thinking I might drop a hint or two. So if anybody's paying attention in the next few days, you might see a hint out there. You but, can like lay down like a base of information, you know. Just yeah, like there you go. The, oh, the, like the most basic level of information, I think that we could build oh, I, on that information. Then. Oh, I thought you were talking like a four-string base of information. Like, no, but that would be cool too. Okay, <laughs> so I could figure out uh, a code yeah. and and play can, the notes and. Right. Oh, there you go. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, all right, so you're back to work uh, this week. Yeah, after, well, uh, yeah, back with the official work with kids and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how long that lasts, although you are <laughs> in a county that is mandating masks, which is good. So hopefully uh, everything will pan out and you guys won't you know, have to, have to deal with any isolations of mass groups of kids, but... Yeah, well, you know, it's so funny because someone finds out you're a teacher and, like, their first question is, you know, do you think, you know, we're going to end up going virtual again? Um, in fact, our uh, our air conditioning went uh, tits up yesterday. So we had the, the guy come out to look at it and, you know, unexpected, not, not surprisingly told us that our um, air conditioning unit from 1983 was – going to have to be replaced so wow um yeah no that's crazy right he said this unit is older than i am um but yeah of course like you know like his like then when he found out i was a teacher he was like so you know said do you think you're going to end up going virtual i'm just like you know i don't know i, I hope not but who knows there's, there's no, no one's been able to predict anything with this in the last year and a half so yeah so where's harry selden when you need him you know that's a great uh, question. I don't know. Probably yeah. running around some imp somewhere. Yeah. So, uh, all right. What are you watching this week? I'll let you go first this time. Okay. Well, unsurprisingly, uh, since we're back with the kids and everything, I have much less to report. Like last week, I think I probably took up like 10 minutes of time with all the movies I'd watched. Um, the past week, the only genre I've watched is really I, I'm continuing with my Jurassic Park rewatch, and I watched the Jurassic World. Uh, I think it was 2014, maybe it came out, and went you know just went back to the you know almost like very much like the Force Awakens, how much it you know kind of modeled itself on Episode Four of Star Wars. You know, Jurassic World definitely followed the formula of. The original Jurassic Park movie, and you know, there's worse things you can do. It was, you know, with Chris Pratt and um, Bryce Dallas Howard, and you know, two kids in there that were good actors and did a good job. And you know, I I, I like Jurassic World a lot. Is it as good as Jurassic Park? Obviously, no, but still, it's a pretty good movie. You know, kind of resurrecting the the Jurassic Park franchise. Um, other than that, still watching you know season one of of Leverage and and uh, loving every 
every second of watching that show again. So, all right, sounds good. Um, now, for me, again, I feel like I'm always saying that we're scrambling around looking for something to watch. So, what we ended up with this time is a show that's on Stars, and it is really the classic sci-fi spy thriller, which I guess we could refer to as spy-fi. Um, nice. It's titled the titled the Rook. Eight episodes came out in 2019. And it centers on a secret British intelligence agency known as the Shakay that acquires, trains, protects, and then deploys individuals with EVA, extreme variant abilities. And it's based on a novel by Daniel O'Malley. And it starts in the first episode. This woman regains consciousness on a deserted road in the middle of the night during a heavy rainstorm. And as the camera pans back, we see six dead male bodies lying on the ground surrounding her. And it quickly becomes evident that she remembers nothing, including her own identity. And we go from there. So really, really pretty good. I'm I'm surprised it's not rated more highly among the IMDb crowd, but I thought it was really engaging. We enjoyed it uh, quite a lot. And and like I said, eight episodes, no plans for a season two, just a self-contained story based on the novel. So, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, The Rook on Stars, and I know a lot of people don't have Stars, although maybe they do. I think Stars came in some kind of HBO or Showtime package for me, but. Anyway, if you're into Outlander, you've got stars for sure. And, and Counterpart was on stars. So anyway, there All it right. is. Cool. Sounds good. So, uh, but for you guys, if you want to leave us some feedback, questions, what you're watching, whatever, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is how you can reach us. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. All right. Chapter five, Tribes of Europa, written by Benjamin Seiler, Yana Burbach, Philip Cock. Directed by Philip Cock, dropped on February 19th, 2021. So, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly moving along here. I'm, I'm not sure how to read this episode, except what really strikes me is that all three siblings find themselves outside of their moral centers. I mean, one, Ooh, of, one okay. of the first things we've, we, we've got to look at is how far is Liv willing to go to save her family? I mean, as we'll, we'll talk in a few minutes, she was not willing to assassinate father. Or right. was it just a, a case that she didn't get the opportunity or something else came to her I, I, in the moment? We don't really know yet. Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I think we do. I think she was right there. Uh, totally. She could have easily, not easily, but she was at a point where she could dump the poison into his drink and... And he talked about how he plans to exchange uh, the prisoner for her family. Yeah, and, but uh, did, did you really think she got close enough? I mean, it, I wasn't sure. I mean, I guess I felt like she wasn't quite close enough. And I, th- I just, think so. I mean, I think she started doing it, then she stopped because he kind of turned towards her. But she still had it in her hand, and her hand was right near his cup. So, you know, but then when he mentioned her family – that's when she like put it away. Yeah, true, true. Um, and and you know, we see her in the opening scene. She's now in full crimson uniform, 
and she's taken David his meal because he's in the prisoner cage. But but what we learn in that scene is that Father's plan is to negotiate a peace with Europa's biggest butchers, which includes giving the crows full control of the continent. And I think any student of history is immediately thinking Neville Chamberlain mm-hmm. and Hitler in the 1930s and, and or, you know early ni- or I guess 1940. What the hell are you thinking? Did you learn nothing from history? Well, you know, it's been a while. You know, maybe he didn't. You know, he's not British, so maybe he didn't. Yeah, I guess. But but (laughs) right, and and it's in that scene that David broaches the idea of her taking out father, and my people will help you. And and you know, we see that scene later where Sam gives her the neurotoxin surprisingly she doesn't seem to have any qualms at that point and that line that she tells sam i know what needs to be done which then leads me back to my original question how far is she willing to go is she willing to kill to save her family i mean we we could argue that david is just a pawn in her bigger plan and and you know while you know as you mentioned either last week or the week before that you know her her prospects for you know, a, a partner were somewhat limited as mm-hmm. a, a member of the Origini clan. And, and, you know, David's a good looking guy and all that, but we don't necessarily know that there's any real connection there. I, I so kind of feel like there is, you know, and okay. I think because when she tells him, like, I can't remember, like, you know, like to have faith in me or something like that. Um, yeah, she says, have faith in me, right? That right. even though she didn't kill father, I think she's got a she's got a plan, and the plan is not going to be involved sacrificing David. Okay, I, and, and and then it goes back to the, her previous plan in, in freeing Greta, as we talked about at the time. Did David really know all of the nuances of the plan, or or not? And and you know, so yeah, like what's she planning here? She's got something. Right. Yeah, she's definitely got something cooking. We know from the beginning of the show that she is doesn't look like she's with. I think she isn't probably in the crimson uniform in that first shot, but there's no one else around her. Okay, so you know that we have that bit of information about her future. That you know, what does that mean at this point? I don't know, but I, I, I. to me, just even with, uh, without thinking about that, I, I totally think she's got some kind of plan going here and that it doesn't – it involves playing father for as long as she can. Okay. And, and yeah, I, I think you're probably right. And, and in addition to that, that line about having faith in her, she also tells him, perhaps even more tellingly, our story isn't over yet. Right, you, you know that, that using that word "our story" as if uh, I think to support what, what you're feeling is that you know maybe there is a relationship here that that can develop and, and prosper and blossom. So you know yeah, but, we'll but see. I, but I also, I mean, like you had said, how far is she willing to go? That's kind of how you started this off. That's a great sure. point because, like, just thinking about it, I'm like, you know, is she willing to, for example, sell out the crimson to the crows in order to get her family back? You know, like. Who who knows? Like I mean, we know that she like her family is the most important thing to her, and that her number one goal this whole time has been to to get Keanu and Jacob out of Braytock. Braytock, uh, Braytock, right? Um, 
So, you know, that's a great point. You said, like, how far is she willing to go? We don't see her kill here, but, you know, she was pretty darn close to it. I have a feeling that if he hadn't mentioned the plan to retrieve her family, that she would not, that she would definitely gone through with it. So, but does it end it there? Is is there other stuff? Is she willing to go even further? Is she willing to sell out Crimson Nation maybe? Right. And, you know, perhaps that's not that bad a thing. I mean, is the Crimson philosophy as espoused by father in, in his conversation with her a bit naive Never attack, only defend. On the one hand, it sounds like the Origine philosophy, but these are two vastly different groups with vastly different purposes. So, yeah, that that's all well and good. Never attack, only defend. But it doesn't always work out that way. I, so, I think it rarely works. It's good, like yeah. a short-term strategy. I mean, that was you know the Confederate Army strategy in the American Civil War, and you know it was led to them being very successful early on. But ultimately, they weren't able to get you know. And the one time they did try to attack was Gettysburg, and that didn't work out very well for them. So yeah. you know, like defensive military strategy, obviously. You, I mean, there's a reason why you get an extra die in risk when you're defending, right? Because you have a greater, you know, you have the advantage as the defender. But the thing is, is when, you know, in, in you know, military struggles, um, just completely playing defense, you don't, you know, or even in sports, you just play defense, you don't score goals, right? Right. And uh, you get to right. win, you got to score goals. Yep. I mean, he says we end wars, we don't start them. Fair enough. I would argue the war's already started and it's been going for 40 years or so. Right. So uh, that seems like a, a naive approach to take. But, but like, you know, just like, I'm sorry to cut you off, but you know, like just what you said about Neville Chamberlain, just like extremely naive to think, just like Chamberlain thinking he could make a deal with Hitler. And you couldn't. You couldn't make right. a deal with Hitler. You can't make a deal. With the crow. Now, are the crows, do they have a sense of honor? Yeah. You know, like if they'll, they'll do what they say, right? But you're not sure. going to be able to strike a deal with them, especially when they have the power, when they're dealing from a position of strength. You can't negotiate with that, right? Well, right. I mean, any negotiation, any agreement that they come to, and, and that's already been established that a, a crow keeps her word or his word. But we know even if they agree on something, there's always going to be some exception to the agreement that the crows will take advantage of and pounce on to their own advantage and everybody else in Europa's detriment. So anyway, well, let's talk about Keanu for a second, because the question I have, is he willing to kill to earn his freedom? I mean, we talked earlier does he really have a clear idea of what a Boge actually entails? And and I think we see that he does now. Is he willing to kill to earn his freedom? And again, I I don't know that he really has thought this through, although to to be fair, he certainly witnessed a lot. To be fair. Sorry, that's from Larry Kennedy. (laughs) Oh, okay. Not, Not the least of which is, getting kicked out of Varvara's bedroom only to return and think, Oh boy, I'm glad I did get yeah, kicked out at least God, for tonight. Yeah, it's like, really? Yeah. This is a bad day um, to be your favorite. Yeah. But you know, we see him in, in the first scene in which we 
uh, he appears, he wakes naked in Varvera's bed and she's getting dressed for the day. And his whole thing, what does it take to be a crow warrior? And at first I'm, I'm thinking, all right, has he bought into the crow philosophy? And I'm thinking like, no, of course not. Is he simply trying to ingratiate himself into, uh, you know, the, the, the crow world? Okay, maybe. But again, I think what it, he realizes is I need to be trained if I'm going to survive the Boge. And I guess the question is how much training is he going to get? Because when he spars with her, you know, as strong and agile as he is, I mean, he's clearly no match for her. Right, right. And she says it's because you're scared to die, right? I think that's kind of an integral part of of Crow Warrior ethos is that you have to be willing to risk your own life in order to, to, you know, take the chance to win the fight, you know, I guess. Um, I'm kind of thinking he's buying into the – well, in in a way, I guess in – you know, in, in nominally, he's buying into the crow philosophy. I don't think he is a hundred percent, but he, I think he realizes that maybe, well, not realizes, but at least thinks that the best way for him to get his father out of there and himself is to be free, to be a, a, an official part of the crows. So I don't know if it's that he one hundred percent like is buying into it. Once I actually, I don't think that's all because we just we saw uh, as he when they were in the, the club at the previous episode. His the look of his face was not one that indicated that he was really down with everything that was going around. I think at heart he's still kind of that that boy from the origines. Um, but it, his his in his mind, the only way he can get his dad out of there is if he becomes a crow. And the only way for him to become a crow is through the bows. And if he wants to get survive the bows, he's got to learn how to fight. Right, and you know when she, he's sparring with her, and and she reminds him, "You're my property, my new toy," and, and and certainly we've we've seen that. But I wonder, especially in the limo ride when they're going to dine with Capitan, and and we learn a little bit of information. Fred brings this up in his feedback that that the city has eighty thousand people, and I think Fred points out that. You know, the reality is, I think, four million or what, you know, Fred will tell you in his feedback, but it was a lot, which implies that a lot of people either died or fled. We, we certainly don't know at this point, but we've known and she makes it clear she wants that open high lord position. But I'm wondering, just these subtle glances, is she falling for Keanu? I mean, not as if she's falling for him so hard that she's out of control because Clearly, that's not the case, but I don't know. Just very yeah, subtle especially indications. Especially since she's his mom. Yeah, I mean, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, you know, there's also some things, you know, we've, we've talked about how both of us have seen the entire series, but we binged it when it first came out, and, and the details are very fuzzy. But there is something I've got in my mind, and I, I'm not going to say it in this podcast for, for what I think is going to happen but uh well, we'll see maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe i'm hoping she's not really because i mean i did think that and i'm like i'm like oh that's that's kind of a gross thought to think i'm like is that cause, is, am i remembering something for this like i don't know so yeah. but anyway berlin 3.645 as of 2019 so okay i mean obviously so, that, that is a significant drop but you know as you said, it's it, to me, it's not like an apocalyptic drop, especially as we know the situation in Europe is one where 
there is a lot of migration going on. So much so sure. that everyone just speaks English, right? So that's, right, that, sure. that just indicates to you how much people have moved around. We even have seen people from Mongolia in Germany. So there's a tremendous amount of migration going on here. And um, so it's, you know, not surprising that, especially when, from what we know about Black December is, was a complete loss of everything, all kind of technology. Well, what the hell are you going to do in a city if, if the technology's not working, right? You, there's yeah. not, you can't grow crops there, right? You, you can't yeah. farm, you can't hunt. So like, obviously tons of people are going to leave. So I don't think it's necessarily that this apocalypse, obviously it did lead to a significant number of deaths, but I don't think it was, I, I don't think the, the, the population of, Berlin as it is now um, in in the show is an indication only of death. I think you're right. That's probably more so from people leaving than from people dying. Okay. Um, You know, one of the things that that always bothers me about these post-apocalyptic scenarios where we're we're pretty far removed from the initial event, you know, she enters this building that was clearly once great – but is run down, although it certainly still retains a lot of its grandeur. We've got a cellist playing as Ivar eats alone at the table. And I guess what bothers me is, did no one ever think to try to, you know, clean the place up? You know, there's no cans of paint lying around anywhere. You, you've got slaves. I mean, I, I, I just, that always bothers me about these sorts of stories but well, if they clean it up then no longer looks post-apocalyptic Dave. well that's a good point <laughs> but uh, but we see keanu's father there and whether he is ivar's number one slave we don't know certainly he's the one that's clearing his plate away but the the focus of his attention is on the hover jet and we learn that nothing of value was recovered from it which for us that's pretty significant information it's just that nobody here really matters in, in knowing that. So in other words, that would matter to David and the Crimsons, but right now, Keanu knowing that, now maybe Keanu can pass it along once he is free, if that, in fact, you know, is what ends up happening. But, but clearly what Ivar has done here, and, and I didn't notice, Fred points this out in his feedback that he's invited Varvara for dinner, but there's no place set for her. Yeah. And I mean, yes, he says, I started without you. And I, I didn't even notice that there was no place set as Fred points out. Yeah. So I, clearly I he, he set this up to humiliate her. Yeah. So how is she going to then take this humiliation once she's had time to process it even more fully and perhaps come up with a plan. So that is perhaps the most fascinating thing that comes out of this story for me, except of course the reunion between Keanu and his father and, and you know, that whole line, I won't allow you to die in that arena. Is that prescient in any way? I mean, and, and that's well, kind mean, of the, that's yeah, kind sorry, of the thing that I'm wondering whether or not, I'm remembering something that we'll see in episode six. Well, I I mean, whether you have already seen her or not, I mean, I think we know probably the next episode we're going to see, you know, Keanu in in the, in his, we're going to see his Boge, right? 
I don't think that's yeah. necessarily something they would build it up that much this season and say, ah, we're going to do it in season two. You know, like- but, who's his, but my point is, who's his opponent going to be? And, yeah. and what I'm thinking in a, in a you know, perfect, I'm making air quotes because it's anything but perfect, is that Ivar's going to put his father in there against him because they figure out that there's some sort of connection and yeah, this will be entertaining. Well, they know. I, they they got to know. Right. I would. Day, you know. what's his name? Day, Day Vault, whatever. Day Wiet. Day Wiet. There's no, yeah. I mean, okay, so Fred mentions this about his his passing. And he thinks it's because Vivara is so pissed off from the dinner. She takes out of frustration by by killing him. And I don't think that's the case at all. Um, a, Deviat sees Jacob and and Keanu probably very easily puts two and two together, right? That sure. they're, they're father and son. We know Deviat is pissed off at not no longer being the favorite. We know he, he seems like the guy who would do anything to get his position back. When he goes into Vivara, I think it is extremely unlikely that the first thing he said was not, hey, you know that that dude with the, the Capitan, that's Keanu's dad. You know, you know he said sure. that. And I think the reason he's dead is not because, because of just Vivara just venting her frustration. I think there's twofold things going on here. A, she wants that information to herself. She doesn't want anyone else knowing it, so she gets rid of him so he doesn't go blabbing that to other people. And B, um, I think she just does not tolerate subterfuge like that, right? Okay. Uh, and so something like that, ratting someone out, being a narc, would be intolerable for her. I mean, she seems to have a this, – listen, I'm not saying she's great. We, I've talked last week about her – her downsides, which are significant, but she does seem to have like the crows themselves. I mean, they're violent, awful people, but they do have a code of honor. And so I think, you know, him, uh, Deviat, uh, ratting out, uh, Keanu, as he most definitely did, is probably the reason why she killed him. In addition to like, I want to take this information and use it in my own way. So in order to do that, I can't have someone else knowing what I know. So, Right. And, and does she want to use it to her benefit? Of course. Does she want to use it uh, to Keanu's benefit? Maybe. And, and, and that, yeah. And, and that's what occurs to me. You know, uh, his father saying, I won't allow you to die in that arena. Well, what does that mean? What control could you possibly have over that? Now, Again, I'm wondering are the, are, are they going to pit the two of them? Because I think if Varvara tells Ivar, "Hey, your, your servant's his father," wouldn't it be funny to put them in a boge together? And everything we've seen out of Ivar, it's like, yeah, heck, why not? Yeah. And when he he says, "I'm not going to allow you to die in that arena," well, that's easy. Now he's in control. Now he's got. Sure. Yeah, that, that, goes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. Right. So then and, it goes and, and back I do to, know what happens. I'm, I'm holding back because that's one thing I, I do remember. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah, but 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 you're right because you're you're absolutely right. Like when he says, "I won't allow you," like, well, what what do you have that you can stop him? Like, it's just right. Uh, you know, my uh, my younger son. We just dropped him off for his freshman year at University of Maryland. 
and he's been going around the frats. And my wife and I are like, well, we're not going to let him. Well, I said, I'm not going to let him pledge a frat this semester. She's like, well, how are you going to stop him? Yeah. Like, yeah, good point. Well, you yeah. know, maybe he maybe he figures, okay, we've got these poison berries. We can each take poison berries in our own hands and we'll – Oh, instead yeah. of fighting each other, right. we'll eat them together. Yeah, that yeah. would be. They just need to find the the poison berries, you know. And yeah, and good, then, yeah, good point. So, you know, but I also wonder whether this is her. You know, see, I don't know what the protocol is in Crow world. In other words, even though she is the leader, does she have it within her power to? release Keanu from his slave status and make him a crow. I would think she does, but I would think it probably wouldn't go over very well no. with the rest. No, you don't want so, to be you don't want to be that guy. You right. Know? So here's you don't an want to be the guy whose girlfriend made him a crow. Like you gotta earn <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> right. So here's an opportunity to uh free yourself. But then in the limo ride on the way back, when he tries to console her and touches her leg and then she gives him that backhand slap. Yeah, loses his number one spot, but you know, as we said, it uh, turns out okay because he ends up just butchered and and lying on her bed, and and then that scene where she orders him to take his own life, and it looks like he's prepared to do it, which he was, he he did it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she stopped. Him. I, like if he if she didn't stop him, he would have, you know, sliced himself in the heart. I get, but what happened in this evening that would cause him to give up hope of getting his father out? That's that's a great question. I was so I was like, I was like really like you, Keanu. Yeah. Really, you're gonna you're gonna do this? Come on, man. You know. I mean, does he have the the wherewithal to think she's going to stop me at the last minute? I mean, I don't know. I no, mean, clearly I don't, it's a I test. I don't think he thinks that at all. He he is going to quote unquote go out with honor. I don't know. I, I guess he's. I guess he, he figures they got me right. Yeah, like, they got me. It's either I do it myself or like the wire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess he thinks it's, he would rather go out on his own terms than, you know, to go out like, you know, again, as we witnessed for the wire. So, um, I I just think he, but you're right. He gives up hope. And that seems unusual for, especially this family, right? Like, uh, his siblings certainly are holding on to hope no matter how absolutely unrealistic that, that hope is. Yeah. And, you know, then she stops him at the last second. You'll take my dagger to fight the Boge you earned. And fans of Lucifer will recognize that dagger as looking eerily similar to one of Mazikeen's. But that's a I was story just for thinking that, day. Dave, when I was yeah. watching. Like, um, definitely you know, Mazikeen's just, dagger. Uh, uh, just the other thing real quickly, uh, because we've talked about this before in relation to the Atlanteans, because... Ivar, when he's talking about the fact that that the hover jet really didn't reveal anything, he needs the cube so they can find and destroy the Atlanteans, their arch enemy. So, you know, we've talked about where they are. It, it, it appears that the crows have no clue either. So, you know, I mean, it's a, a little detail, but but still, I think, important. 
The thing with Elia, because yeah. as we get to the end of this, and Fred points out, oh, Elia's got a you know Star Trek type phaser now. Okay, great. Is Elia willing to kill to rescue Moses and enable them to flee Bracker and, and of course the crows that are attacking? I mean, again, it, it, you you could argue, well, yeah, of course he, he's willing to kill, you know, to save his own life and and Moses perhaps. But is he? Is this something he's thought through, or like his brother and sister? Is it is it a situation that's just been thrust on him, and he really has little choice in the matter? Well, if you remember the first time we saw Elia, it was after he had just taken a life. Now you might say it's just a wolf. People who love animals would say, "Take that just out, Mister." But you know, the thing is, is he is not unaccustomed to taking life. He's not squeamish about it. So especially with what the crows did to his his people, um, I I would tend to think that no. And that look on his face, I can call at first was kind of a look of maybe amazement. And certainly this is like, this is super cool kind of look. And then I would say a little bit of grim determination on his face as he walks back towards the bar. He could easily walk away. Sure. You know, he's got the sure. cube. He could he could take Moses' car. Right. Yeah, which is what I thought he was going to do. Sure, I did too. But he's he's going to go back there. And so I think he's he's not going back there to to talk it out. They're not going to talk it out, not going to hug it out. Right. He's going in there to enact some violence. Right. And you know, we've already done the talking. Moses creates that disturbance. Elia sneaks into Bracker's office. And again, we, we talk about Elia not really reading the room correctly, but here, I, I think the truth is his friend. And when Bracker confronts him about his motives for, for taking back the cube, he tells him the truth, activates it, and we get a much more detailed and extended look at the message, if this is even in fact the message, which don't really know i'm not sure what it says if it is the uh message but but we hear about the black cloud and and is that the danger is that the threat to all mankind and as we said last week whether it's you know a metaphor for uh, an army whether it's some sort of viral pandemic uh, we don't know what it is yet but clearly it's relatively ominous but well but i think what what they witness in that you know what the the cube shows them is the the black swarm. You know, true. Um, or okay. at, at least a metaphorical version of it, I guess. Because <laughs> right, you know, right. You see it. It goes to the right, which in like you know, if we're looking at a map, north, south, east, west, east is always to the right. So boom, it goes to the right. Travels, travel, travel. Looks like he's traveling pretty quickly over a lot of land, and then boom, stops. And there's the swirling clouds that uh, look very threatening so i think that that is the the cube informing them that um you know what the kid says is, is right there is some serious stuff coming from the east yeah and bracker then once he hears that once he sees that is willing to let them go i just want to know what the hell happened on black december so 
in that sense, he's like a compadre of Elia, who, as we've said, has been fascinating with it, fascinated with Black December, as apparently was his mother. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But but he gets out there, activates the cube, and and fortunately, the cube has a ways component to it, and tells him which way to go, and. Yeah. You know, that's when he leaves the keys on the seat, but that's then also when the crows get there and uh, all hell starts breaking loose. The cube enters combat mode, which was really cool. That I was super say. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's like, and, combat mode? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, and, if in, in the um, Spider Man Homecoming, right? That was, you know, he's. I know you haven't seen it, but um, I, know, I was going to say I'll take he's testing for it. out. Like Tony Stark has made the Spider-Man suit for for Peter Parker, and he's kind of um, has had his buddy hack into it and turn off all the safety locks. And so the he has a little voice that says, "Would you like to uh, go to combat mode?" He's like, uh, "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah." um so you know so we see that we we already saw him drop the keys on the seat but he heads back in the building presumably to save moses and i'm just thinking boy those originally kids sure have changed in these five episodes which i guess comprised just a few days so um anything else we haven't talked about yet i think we pretty much covered everything that i have in my notes so yeah okay oh well one thing is I find it hilarious that in the you know the the parental warnings at the beginning, like saying, "Oh, you know, nudity, violence, sexual violence, and smoking." I'd be like, "Yeah, ah, you know, I was okay with the nudity, the violence, and the sexual violence, but the smoking, ah, no way, no way, kid, you definitely can't watch it now." Yeah, but uh, oh, and and also, I I'm not sure, and of course, I I didn't go back and, and check it out, but. When they're in the um, the crimson, you know, you know, a fortress. When Liv goes to give David his food, I'm pretty sure I heard someone say "rapido." You know, oh, so that okay. someone's speaking Spanish here too. So again, I mean, it just speaks to what we talked about, like the, sure. um, you know, the, the 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 migratory nature of of Europe at this time and. How, how many different languages are kind of swirling around here. So, All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Tribes of Europa, Season 1, Episode 5. Coming back to last week's podcast, you were wondering if father is really David's father. But there is something that's going wrong in the subtitles or translation. David is brought back for execution to the father town. But if you see how this is translated in the subtitle, it's translated as the crimson capital instead of father town. So I think that father is really a title and it's not David's father. His name, by the way, is General Cameron. My point is more the nitpick. Why do they change in the translation Father Town into Crimson Capital? In that case, we wouldn't have that discussion because it was already clear in the last episode that he was not Commander Foss's father. But anyhow, in this episode, episode 5, 
Father tells Liv that he uh, knew Commander Foss's father, next to the great Commander Arenberg, etc., etc. So um, that makes it also very clear. Okay, going into episode 5. There is one thing that Moses says in the bar with Elia, that when they drink together, that he says, this reminds me of my father, but just that you are me and I am my father. This could really be a sentence just coming right out of Dark. Oliver Machucci could have easily said the same sentence in Dark. We were wondering whether the population of Europa was decimated or scattered, whatever. But when Lord Vervara goes with her car and Keanu to the dinner with the Capitan, she says that Bratok is the biggest city in Europa with 80,000 inhabitants. Um, what? The old Berlin is a city of millions, around three and a half to be exact. We were also talking about the threats from the East. Is that a virus or is that an army? Well, if it is an army, it doesn't have to be that big to throw over the crows. Then there is the cube demonstration at Brocker's place. It's still unexplainable what we see there. A person in an astronaut suit or something like that and big clouds. Is, is this what is coming? Is this what... Whatever. Um, no idea. And Elia proves that telling the truth sometimes is the best thing to do. Okay, then we have the whole dinner situation where Lord Favara with her boy toys goes to dinner at the Capitan's place. He's already eating. Uh, no jelly cubes, by the way. He is really eating something meat, probably pork meat. The table was not prepared for her. There was no dish, no knife, fork, etc. glass for her. And when he then announces that Ulrich will be a high lord and not she, it's not strange that she hits Keanu in the car because she has to put her frustration somewhere. And then we think, oh, okay, this is wrong. Keanu loses his favorite position because she takes Deviat back to her bed but then later we see that she was not finished expressing her frustration and Deviat is dead and I think she didn't want to do that with Keanu. So perhaps he does get a little bit under her skin. I have a little nitpick. In the scene where Vavara asks Keanu to kill himself by putting this strange dagger into his heart, she is behind him and opens his shirt and says, does it with honor. And then she gives him the knife and the shirt is still open. The camera goes to she and the dead Deviat. And then the camera goes back to Keanu and then his shirt is closed again. And when he then puts the knife really to his chest, the shirt is open again. So that certainly is a continuation error. And, of course, it's very nice that Elia gets a real Star Trek phaser at the end of this episode. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands.
All right. Well, yeah, as Fred mentions, and, and we kind of touched on, still no clarity on the cube visual and, and what any of that stuff means. The the astronaut figure, we get a much better look at him. And I, I managed to grab a great screen cap of that, which I might use in this week's blog post. But But the other thing that Fred points out that, again, I didn't notice, along with the fact that there was no place set for Varvara, is that there's no jelly cubes He's eating real food. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I, I did notice that, but that that is a pretty cool detail. Yeah, so clearly somebody's farming somewhere, and we do understand that there is a trading network going on. We don't know how vast it is. We don't know to what extent the crows trade with right. You know, whoever, well, I mean, but I mean, obviously, agriculture is still going on, and, and like you said, there is we we have heard about you know trade between tribes and everything. Um, so, so yeah, naturally, I mean, the, it it would be available, but again, you know, being in the city, you know, only the wealthiest or most powerful people would probably have access to fresh meat or vegetables, and everyone else has to eat the the little cubes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, Fred, thank you for the feedback. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm going A minus this week. I've been B plus territory. I'm I'm good with A minus for this. You know. Okay. I liked it again. Yeah. I mean, I mean, especially if anything to, for me to push up to the A minus is you know Oliver Masucci again. Just like he is like the the shining gem in this show. Every scene he's in is just golden I and mean, he's he's amazing i love that guy yeah yeah and i can't remember now i can't remember whether they've announced whether there's a uh, season two or not but uh clearly we're not going to get a whole lot of answers in next week's episode number one we, as we've said the uh the episodes are relatively short so you know, we we will see. I mean, we're going to get some. I think it's pretty safe to say we're going to see Keanu in his boge. But beyond that, I uh, don't know what we're going to going to really see. But uh, yeah, so I guess that's a good place to leave this discussion. That will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Tribes of Europa. Anything else going on in the genre TV world? Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is how you can get in touch with us. And we'll be back next week to talk about the season finale, Chapter 6 of the German Netflix post-apocalyptic tale, Tribes of Europa. But until then... You know, just like Moses said to the Hebrew people as he was traveling up Mount Sinai, he said, oh, it won't take long. Moses promised.